Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony the Bull Caruso back with you for another season preview and we're going to step away from the football field onto the racetrack. Yes, we are now up to our neck of the Formula One preseason for season 2022. What a way it finished last year, of course, for those who are still trying to work out what happened last year. Max Verstappen winning on the uh, last lap of the last race of the season over Lewis Hamilton. And he's already announced that he's going to be coming into this season for the first time, I think in about seven years, with the number one returning on an F1 car. We're going to be going through the uh, the preseason, how it's gone so far, and how we're shaping up towards the first race in Bahrain. I can't do this alone. So joining us in the cockpit tonight is our chief motoring correspondent, Matt Mears. Good evening to you. Good evening, Carissa. Good evening, all. Yeah, great to be back here for another F1 podcast. With the way that the 2021 season ended, there's such a... Uh, excitement in the air to see how 2022 will go obviously heaps of changes which we'll go through um as the episode progresses but i know i'm excited i know we've got another guy on the line who's just as excited as us about the new season let's get him in and let's get this cracking on what's going to be another great episode of splinters oh absolutely we can't wait for this and we've got to bring him in taste wiggins good evening to you g'day caruso g'day mirzy uh, the the uh the summer the winter break I guess absolutely vanished and February as well with all the stuff going on so I'm keen to get into some of the changes we've got coming up for the season absolutely and of course we are going we are so topical on this we're going to have some very late changes that are happening and into this competition right now we've got the ten teams we've got some changes to the calendar already occurring we've got some possible changes to liveries and driver lineups even going through this. Who says there is there is a breather for the silly season? It's Formula One. It's constantly happening. So, ladies and gentlemen, the five lights are out and we are ready to go racing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. And we're going to kick things off here tonight going in reverse order of the Constructors' Championship from the previous year. We're going to start off with Haas and Matt. I'll tell you what, if last year was a debacle for Haas, this year has not gotten off to a great start. Well, we were always told through 2021 that it was just going to be a year of change, a year of um, wait and see. Everything was being thrown into the 2022 car don't take anything about 2021 because we're not going to do any upgrades to that car. We're not going to move forward in any way. We're going to be stuck down the back of the grid. We'll take that because we know we're going to be competitive in 2022. I don't think anybody thought that the Ukrainian war would be breaking out in 
just as the just as the season was going to be kicking off in 2022 and having a a major sponsor and one of your drivers being Russian certainly has thrown a few curveballs towards the Haas team um, to say the least and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how they can uh, overcome that so close to the start of the season. Well, indeed, Tace, we've, we've seen the announcement coming through about what has already happened to Nikita Mazepin, and there could be more to come. Yeah, they're not going to let him compete in the British Grand Prix, the UK Commission deciding that UK, uh, sorry, Russian athletes uh, shouldn't be allowed to compete. So that's going to be fascinating. Assuming that Mazepin keeps his drive, which looks like it's under pretty heavy pressure at the moment, um, Fittipaldi should be able to replace him, but a pretty big statement made by both a country and uh, the commission. Now, the car itself from Haas just looked, on, on face value means he just looked exactly the same as last year. This is, of course, pre the announcement that Euralkali were tempor- at least temporarily being pulled out as title sponsors for Haas. Um, in terms of development of the car itself, they're the first team that I've noticed in particular that have gone for this very aggressive Coke bottle style um, bodywork. Well, said so they've been using the, uh, the the time of not improving the 2021 car to really go through these 2022 regulations. And uh, said so I'd be interested to see. Obviously, we didn't see the, the best results from um, February testing out of this car, but a lot of development to go. But uh, without Mazepin Daddy's money being put into the team anymore or whether they're just going to be still putting money in and just not have the sponsorship on the car, we don't know. We'll hopefully find out more about that as uh, we get closer to the start of the season. But I said for, for actual going by the regulations, I'm glad to see that they've gone a little bit more out of the box, go that Coke bottle design, really try and um, go in a different direction. Because as I said, we've seen some competitive horses over the years. Yes, last year is probably not the best way to remember them, but when they had the, the likes of Grosjean and, and the like in those cars about three or four years ago, they were pretty genuine midfield contenders. So they do have the the they do have the um, the the resources there. They have the personnel there that can get something out of this car. So I'd be interested to see how they develop. But obviously, with everything that's going on, that could be limited. But for for Haas's sake, I would really like to see them at least move up a little bit in the field. Um, particularly with with the likes of um, Mick Schumacher, there we saw what he could do with that old car. If they could get a, 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 a new, this new Haas into a decent position, and um, could have him um, competing with some of those um, Williams and Alfa Romeos, even or or even a little bit further up in the field, make the make the season a hell of a lot more interesting. Not that it's going to be in, not interesting uh, with some of the other uh, designs we've seen from some of the other teams. Yeah, just on that, the the Coke bottle section of the Haas has been really interesting because some other teams have direct have gone for using the bodywork to sculpt the air a lot more than the Haas team seem to have, but they have a lot of free area for the airflow to the rear of the car, which we know is going to be important with the beam wings this year and the importance of the diffuser and the floor. So it's interesting to see their development, uh, seeing that they've spent the year on it, you'd expect a few innovations, so we'll see if there's more to come in the... Bahrain test and at the first race but they've done good work it looks like but we'll see how it translates in the pecking order this year 
Well, the testing so far hasn't been too bad for them because both Mazepin and Schumacher have clearly lifted themselves off the bottom in terms of timing, albeit still a, a bit of the distance from the pack. Uh, a rating on so far on the livery and how winter testing has gone so far. First to you, Mizzy. Oh, look, are we basing it against the other teams or are we basing it against what they were doing last year? Because it's certainly a clear step up from last year. I would say against the rest of the teams. Oh, well, then they've still got to be fairly down the bottom, probably a five or six out of ten because some of the some of the cars and the uh, liveries and everything we're going to be talking about for some of these other teams, they've really been putting in the effort. But as I said, if you want to base it on last year, they would be an 8 out of 10 because you can see that they've used that time not not upgrading the 2021 car. They've put it to good use, but being that far behind as they were, obviously it's going to take some extra um, ground to, to really even bridge that gap to the midfield. So I'm, I'm actually going to be looking forward to seeing if they can do it, particularly, as I said, with Mick Schumacher, I think. If they can keep this car going, and he could be he could be going for points by the end of uh, 2022. I really think they could. But uh, first impressions, while good, I'm not blown away as I have been by some of the other teams. Taste. Yeah, livery is not all that exciting, assuming it stays the same. Uh, so I'll give them a 5 out of 10 for the livery. Uh, preseason's looking, yeah, like you say, decent. I'm hoping for a little bit more out of the second test. Points for Haas this year would be amazing, especially Schumacher. We all want to see him do well. Um, but yeah, I think against the other teams, their, their livery falls a bit flat, so they'll sit with a five firm. Let's go to the next team, Alfa Romeo. And for mine, I think the team that came in with a little bit of, with quite a bit of promise, considering they were picking up Valtteri Bottas, Tice, but... It has to be said, their performance in testing so far has been underwhelming. Yes, they've had massive struggles. I think they had the lowest running of any team in testing. Uh, reliability problems and even bad reports, just of unst- unsteady car um, from the drivers. So it's looking like a difficult start. Uh, Bottas' experience, though, he's been around for nearly 10 years now. Oh, this will be his 10th season. Um, so hopefully his feedback and his input in the team can help turn them around and get them up the grid. But yeah, it's looking a bit dire for them at the moment based off what we've seen. The other thing we saw, Mizzy, which is rather interesting, was them running a camouflage livery to cover up everything that they were doing. But when they did formally release the livery, my God, wasn't that a banger? Um, I've, I've seen a lot reported about the livery. I'm, I'm not so sold. I think as much as we know they're Ferrari light, I think they're looking a bit too much Ferrari light. Same with Alpha Tauri. I think when Alpha Tauri went the more white and, and sort of got away from the, the Red Bull blue, that's what I like more. I've actually seen, I don't know if you guys watch, the, there's a guy on YouTube called Tomo who does a lot of the the, the livery reviews and yeah, everything like that on all the cars. He actually did an inverted um style of the uh, Alfa Romeo and basically just flipped the white and the red. And I thought it looked absolutely amazing. Not not to disparage what's there now and the mostly red car, but I do think it's a bit Ferrari light. And then just with that flip to have the more white, the white on the nose, the white towards the back and just have that big red stripe down sort of where the driver's sitting. 
I just thought that just embraced Alfa Romeo a bit more and it, and it made it look like a different car and a different team. But uh, as I said, still what they've got, I, I think, you, is still striking. It, it's still going to stand out a little bit on the track. We'll talk about more about the, how, the, how the Ferrari looks a bit later, I'm sure. But as I said, I just think, yeah, don't you, you want to sort of stay away from from looking too much like another car on track. But uh, as I said, it has been some good work there from Alfa Romeo. I, I, I think they just need probably a bit more of that Bottas experience around the team. Um, hopefully he can um, provide some great insights into that car because they're another one that on their day, and you, you saw last year when they, they had things hooked up, they could get onto the back of that midfield pack. And I think there's a lot of Alfa Romeo fans that are excited with Bottas joining the team. Um, that he could be competing with points, but uh, they're another team that maybe just struggling a little bit with the new regulations, but continued running and, and that experience of Bottas, hopefully they can uh, pull themselves forward a little bit and uh, really start competing. No mention about the Pokeball wheel rims either, we should mention as well. So <laughs> the um, For Mind, I, I think they've, they've really struggled, Tace, and I'll get your ratings here as well. They've really struggled, I think, with the um, the engine and the transmission because they've, they've, they've complained about how compressed they're having to get all of their components together at the back, and they're talking about genuine overheating issues with the car. I like the livery. I'm probably going to give the livery probably a 7 out of 10, but the, their their preseason testing so far has been poor. It's getting a three out of ten for mine, and I think they I think they've got as I said they've got some issues to deal with in terms of overheating. Yeah, we know Ferrari have put in a lot of work on this power unit, and it is very compressed and quite different from the last power unit in philosophy. Um, it seems that both teams using it are struggling with integration, which is interesting. Hopefully, Alpha get on top of it. Um, but for their livery, I'm gonna give them a seven. I initially, when it came out, I was cool on it. It was okay. But then I saw a picture on social media next to Senna's McLaren in that classic Marlboro livery and the similarities between it. And now every time I see it, I can't help but think of Senna's McLaren. Right. So that, that, that helped. All right. Music, your rating so far? Well, yeah, as I said, I think testing, um, poor, um, lots of improvement needed. Um, hopefully we'll see that from the brand. Bahrain test though and uh, they had a couple of uh, days to think about it can um, try and get over those overheating issues um, as for the livery yeah I'll, I'll give it a six out of ten six and a half out of ten I do like it but just when I saw that reverse livery from Tomo and have the the main mainly white with the red splashes that that was a nine out of ten for me so that's probably the, what's ruined it a little bit for me is, is seeing what it could have been with that reverse livery and, and sort of getting away from being the, the Ferrari light. But uh, there'll be another one um, to keep their eyes on. Um, if they can get around those issues, um, yeah, hopefully we'll be seeing Bottas uh, towards the, the front of the field. And, and we haven't really mentioned uh, Zhang Yuzhou as well. His first season, obviously we know why he's there. Um, coming in, the, the first Chinese man, um, to, to compete. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he comes to grips with Formula One as well. It has to be said, though, and quick mention of Guang Yuzhou in, in that regard, he hasn't actually been too bad. He was strong last season. Start of, um, start of the season in F2, he was the championship leader. So we've seen good form from him. He's disappeared at the front, and he's also put in really good overtakes. So he definitely has the potential. 
But, you know, if you're coming into Formula One, you're expected to have the potential, but we'll see how it translates given, you know, his time over the season. Let's move on to the team that came third last in the Constructors' Championship, the much-improved Williams Formula One. And, of course, they do come in with a bit of a change in their lineup, Mirzi. Uh, of course, with George Russell making the expected move to Mercedes. Alex Albon coming in to the team to replace him, to team up with Nicholas Latifi. And the first thought that came to mind for a bit of a laugh was seeing the Red Bulls um, emblem on his car. <laughs> well, obviously, we know that uh, Alex Albon is is continuing some sort of relationship with the Red Bull team. I, I still feel that if he has a good season in that Williams, and there's a there's a a, a vacancy come up in in AlphaTauri or, or Red Bull for next season for 2023, it might be a one and done for for Albon in the Williams. But he's certainly someone that we've we've seen has. The package, he has everything. Just whether he can put it together is is the what we really need to see out of him. He, he just he's got all the tools. Can he put it all together? I think in a Williams that George Russell showed that he could get something out of it. Um, obviously the Mercedes engine as well. We know that that's always going to be good. And Nicholas Nicholas Latifi, don't sleep on him. Obviously he's another one of these drivers that yeah he's there because of daddy's money, but. We saw at the end of last season, he was getting close to George Russell in the same car. I tell you, if you can do that, then uh, I think you've got some talent there and he's only going to continue to grow. Hopefully this pairing will be good. I think from what I've seen on social media, they, they seem to have a good bond between the two, between Albon and Latifi. Let's hope that they can use that and uh, really put Williams up towards being a, a competitive midfield team for this season. Well, it has to be said, Taste, that of the pay drivers, it seems like Latifi's probably the most likable of the lot. And he seems genuinely likable in that regards. Uh, his rapport with Alex has already gotten off to a very good start. And then when you look at the car itself initially, the livery, I love the blue. And I love the little bit different on this, those, those little diamond designs towards the back of the car. Yeah, the car looks very good. Very good. Especially, there was a lot of criticism over a few of their liveries over the last few years, but the dark blue looks phenomenal. And yeah, they've got good designing, nice little geometrical shapes on the back. It looks very good. Uh, Latifi, in terms of pay driver, he is, he's got the money, but we saw for years in F2, he had quite a lot of ability as well. And as Mirzi said, he's gotten very close to George, who many hail as, you know, future world champion and all that. So he does deserve his respect, and we know that Albon has speed. So... The team looks good. Um, those two are actually teammates a few years ago in Formula 2, so they should work quite well together, I'd imagine. Uh, and the car looks way better than last year in terms of performance and reliability. So they look like they've improved. Visually, they've definitely improved. So we'll see how they go in the first race. And, and it has to be said, they did get through quite a few laps between the pair of them, Mirzi. What's striking about this car as well is they're one of two teams that have almost gone back to the early 90s designs, the, about as close as anyone ever got back then to back then to any sort of ground effect being reintroduced on the car. Yeah, well, again, it's good to see how many of these teams are, are really going in different directions with these new regulations. I said, I think, Obviously, when we were at the end of the the old spec cars, everyone sort of was gravitating towards the the Mercedes or the Red Bull, and obviously they're the ones that had the success. So we'll try and copy them. And 
see how we go. But this is the great thing that you can see with these new regulations is that everybody's sort of going in a little bit of a different direction, hoping that the way they're going is going to be the most competitive. I think that the Williams have gone really well. Their, their livery is one that when I first saw it, the renders, I was on the fence. I, I didn't know what quite to make of it. But then when I saw it actually out there running and, and photos from the test, I, I think they've got it spot on again. Nice little uh, blank spaces to um, show that there's plenty of room for some sponsors. So that's well done there by <laughs> the uh, the new owners there saying uh, almost a please place advert here on the uh, side of the car, just leaving it blank. But um, yeah, I, I'm really excited for what Williams uh, is going to do this year. I, I was one of the George Russell fans last year. I always enjoyed seeing how he was going to go or, or sort of riding it when he wasn't doing as well. But uh, I think they've got the best driver out there that they could have with, with Albon to uh, replace him. They could have gone down the, the route of trying to find another paid driver, but I, I think they did the right thing and, and get someone like Albon in there, try and capitalize on that momentum that they've got. And I really think they're going to be at the back of the midfield this year. I, I think they're really going to be mixing it up. I, I look forward to seeing how they're going to go. I'm giving them a I'm giving them a, a seven out of ten for the livery. And so far, in terms of their performances in testing so far, I'm giving them a solid six and a half. Mizzy. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree. I, I think with with both, they've they've come out of the box okay, not brilliant, not uh, over expectations, but. I think even in these new regulations, you don't want to be up in the headlights or anything like that. You you just want to be slow and steady wins the race. And that's where I think Williams are at the moment. Tace? I'd give them a seven for both. I think they've stayed largely out of trouble in testing, which I'm not going to lie. I didn't think they were going to. I thought we'd see a few issues from them reliability-wise, but they look fairly strong. Kept their name mostly out of the headline for bad reasons. So I'm hopeful for them. All right, let's move on to the team that came seventh in the Constructors' Championship last year. It is Aston Martin. And whenever we mention Aston Martin taste, the first thing that always gets brought up is Big Daddy Stroll's cash. (laughs) And it has to be said, some big changes with the livery so far and a certain colour clearly missing, and it is for the better of this car. Yeah, this car is a 10 in livery. I don't think it gets much better than this. To be honest, I expected it last year the classic Aston Martin lime green styling, but with the way the cars look this year and the sweeping uh, green line down the side of the car, down the underside of the side pod, it is stunning. I think they've done the best job with this car livery-wise. Performance, we'll see. Um, Big Daddy Stroll does have a lot of cash, so you know they'll throw the money at it if it doesn't perform well at the start. But... um, Seb looks like he's put in he put in good time. He did a 19-8 in the end of testing. So we'll see where they end up in the pecking order, but I think they've done done well with this car. Uh, an, an interesting one here, Mizzy, because of course this is one of the teams that's gone with the um grilled side pods. Well, any anything you can do to get some extra airflow in there, and they they've done that. I, I think you'll find it's probably come from uh their big brother team in Mercedes. We'll talk a bit more about them later. But uh, just going back to, to Tace's point on the on the livery, to finally see it in the true Aston Martin um, get up. I, it's at least a nine and a half. There'll be another one that, that will say that it'll be up there 
um, with it with with classic style liveries, and I'm sure it's already up on your bedroom wall, Anthony. Um, <laughs> with with that other livery that we'll no talk spoilers. about a bit later. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. No, not at all. But um, yeah, I, I think they're getting all the jigsaw puzzles together. Um, they're they're fully becoming integrated. Yes, we'll talk about Big Daddy Stroll's money, but at least it's actually going in and benefiting the team. Sebastian Vettel is obviously their their number one driver. He'll be uh, he'll be up there, as I said, some great times in practice. And we, we saw last year with a with a car that was probably a bit underwhelming. That if the conditions were right and they they tuned it up right, he was right in the thick of things. I think he can do that again this year. Um, and and it's just going to be up to Lance Stroll. He's got to play that second fiddle. He's he's just got to support him as much as he can. He's he's almost got to become that Perez or Bottas like we saw last year and and really support the number one driver and try and get some good results himself. As I said, if they've got their head around it, which they look like they have, hopefully we'll see it at the front of the field because uh, my eyes won't complain if it's on my TV a lot because, wow. It is in a very beautiful car. One thing that came to mind, Tace, with this car as well, is that unlike a few of the other teams, they haven't gone with the Coke bottle design. They've kept the bodywork about as wide as you can all the way down to incorporate the uh, the grill on the side pods. Yeah, I don't know whether they're going for uh, airflow shaping with that because, you know, we've seen other teams who have incorporated this very good looking, I will say, uh, vent design. Um, they're able to channel the rear much tighter because they've got, that heat dissipation coming out of the vents right behind the radiators and electronics and all that. So they don't need to have that gaping rear to let out all the heat. So it's interesting that they've done that. I don't know whether it's maybe a Mercedes power unit trait, though the the works car seems much tighter, but we'll see how they go. I think it's an interesting concept, and with a beam wing, it could be beneficial for the airflow. We then go on to the last thing before we go to our break, and it is AlphaTauri F1, or should we call them AlphaTauri Gasly, considering the performances <laughs> were pulled out last year. And Mirzi, unlike last year, where the livery last year was just absolutely gorgeous, it's they've gone back to that predominantly navy blue of the AlphaTauri, although it has to be said that, like a couple of the other teams, they have gone with this early 90s design bodywork. Well, so I don't hate it, but it goes back to that point I was making before with, with Alfa Romeo where you have that um, call that it could just be looked as the, the main team light. And, yeah, a lot of blue, a lot of that Red Bull blue back into the car, whereas last year they, they embraced that white. They embraced being we're, a, we're not a junior team, we're a sibling team, and uh, they wanted to stand out on their own two feet. Whereas now I think that... Yeah, they've they've just taken a little bit of a step back, just in looks wise. I think Gasly obviously is going to be their their number one. Um, there, there was disappointments in the in Yuki Tsunoda last year, particularly after the good start he had to the season. He's obviously got to step up, but uh, it's going to be an interesting year for AlphaTauri. I think Gasly's obviously if he's looking for a bigger drive, whether he can get that um, Perez seat in Red Bull, which he's probably been looking at that number two seat for a while, ever since he got pushed back and become a different driver, really, since he was last there. And uh, Yuki Tsunoda could be on the chopping block if he has another season like last year as well. You've got Alex Albon, who's still in the Red Bull family. He'll be trying to have a good season with Williams to get back into that team. So 
it is going to be interesting. Obviously, they're going to have a lot of that learnings from the the Red Bull um, main team as well, which they can apply to the car. But as I said, it could be uh, it could be all Gasly that's leading the charge, and it could be some races like we saw last year where he's almost the second Red Bull because he was out qualifying and out racing uh, uh, Sergio Perez at times. Tace, what we saw from Alpha Tauri has been a little bit hit or miss so far. The way they finished off their their testing session on day three was disappointing, but day two, Gasly showed why he is now, I would say, the most sought-after driver at the end of this season, given that his contract is up again at the end of this year. Yeah, his confidence is back up where it should be after his you know hit after getting hit out of Red Bull. Um, it was a bit of a struggle at the end of testing, but they've shown good pace and they've shown reliability early on. Hopefully they sort out the gremlins that they have had. Uh, Livery-wise, I don't mind it at all. It's true they have gone back to a bit of the blue, but I think the way they've done it and their styling is gorgeous. Putting the white under the side pods as well and just leaving a blue stripe makes it look really long and elegant. I think that's quite nice. So, yeah, I don't mind the styling. I'd give it about a... About a I'd give it a... I'll give it a seven. Um, hopefully their performance is on par and yeah, Yuki can step up a bit and Gasly can, all he can really hope to do, I think is maintain the performance he had last year because unless the car is a front runner, I think that's about as far up as he can get and as good a job that he could do. Well, with that, let's take our break. And when we come back, we'll have part two of our official preview of the 2022 Formula One Championship. You are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sport, and Business Plaza. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Hornsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo and free live music, or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbrsl.com.au for further details. Hornsby RSL Club, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp 
up and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony Caruso with Matt Mears and Tace Wiggins as we preview the 2022 Formula One World Championship we are now going to go to the team that finished fifth in last year's Constructors' Championship. It is Alpine and Taste coming to you with this car. First off, much has been expected of El Plan for this year. And it has to be said that the delivery, depending on which one they're going to run for the race, is going forward because they've come out with two of them. Yeah. It's probably the biggest departure from last year. Yeah, I would agree. The, they've picked up BWT as a sponsor, which, as we know from the Racing Point days, is uh, pink, a pink sponsor. So I think it was Saudi Arabia and Bahrain. They're going to run that pink livery. Uh, I, I don't love it. I understand the necessity of it with you know sponsoring and whatnot. But, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan. But... The blue and the pink is not too bad, I think. I think they integrated the pink nicely into it, kept their roots with the nice blue, uh, and it still stands out a bit with their their nice shiny colours. So I give their livery a, a, a 7 for the blue one and a 5 for the pink one. Um, their performance has been solid, and Fernando has spoken highly of the car so far, um, and it's notable that they ran the first test with no DRS and reasonably heavy fuel loads, they claim. So I'm interested to see their performance when they do start using DRS and, you know, lower fuel loads. Uh, and hopefully L plan can come to fruition. Mirzi, the, the car, I have to, I tend to agree, although probably a little bit harsher about the pink livery because that just screams racing point at this point. The current livery, the blue, the predominant blue, I'd probably give it a 6 out of 10, but the pink I just give 3, and honestly, it is just an eyesore to see what they've done with that alternate livery. Well, obviously, we know why the pink's there. When you when you sign up with BWT, that, that's what comes along with it, um, whereas Racing Point really made it work. Um, Alpine really have the, all the different taskmasters they, that they have to uh, abide by, they have to obviously what the main Alpine guys think, what BWT think, what all their other sponsors think. So it comes down to just having to please too many people. And, and when you have to do that, it, it sort of, I wouldn't say ruins a livery, but 
it just takes away from the potential. We'll go back to my mate Tomo that we talked about earlier. He he did a redesign of the the Alfa Romeo that I really liked. He also did a, a redesign of the Alpine that I thought was really striking. If you remember the old Renault days when it's when it was almost like if you looked side on and front on it had it was two different ones. Like if you looked from the side on it was predominantly black and then when you looked front on it looked predominantly yellow for the Renault colours. He did one where it, when you look side on, it was predominantly blue, had the BWT logo on it. It was all integrated and it looked brilliant. But then when you switch around the front on, it just looked pink. And I can tell you that was striking. That got that pink across, but it didn't It didn't uh, bleed into some other parts where it just looked a bit messy when you've got that side pod with the BWT and then having to try and get all the blue in. And then you got the red Alpine at the back where... It, it could have just been done better. Obviously, we, we saw his one, but you just need to go with, with what the, the people paying the bills say, and this is what the people paying the bills have wanted. So BWT get their pink out there, which is their, their brand colours. They're obviously putting all that um, Aston Martin money in. We do thank them for probably moving because now we get the Aston Martin that we've always wanted with all the green. But... Um, yeah, all I can say is for Alpine is that hopefully those dollar bills, are, are they probably are coming in and, and much needed. But um, again, we'll we'll see how it comes out on track. Not looking forward to the first couple of races with the pink, but um, I'm sure we can get, we'll get used to the, the blue and pink version as uh, the season goes on. The last thing to mention as well, I'll get a quick point from both of you gentlemen in regards to what's going to happen for next year is in regards to the lineups for what's going to happen. Esteban Ocon, we all know he's there long-term. He is their main man going forward. Fernando Alonso, the rumors are going around. This will be his last year before he retires. Um, And then the question is going to be about when will he retire? We think it's going to be at the end of this year, which obviously opens the door to Oscar Piastri entering the grid and the the Renault and the Alpine Academy, they have got big raps on this kid. Yeah, there was a lot of um, controversy at the end of last year uh, online about um, Piastri not getting a drive. People, a lot of people said he was robbed. Uh, so it would be nice to see him next year, but letting Fernando go will be difficult. He's such a legend of, of Formula One and of just Formula One culture in general. So I hope he pulls out another year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did call it quits being in his early 40s. Uh, If he does, Piastri coming into Formula One will be exciting. A bit more young talent as well. Fire up Verstappen and Leclerc and those boys. So yeah, we can only hope that next year we see him if Fernando chooses to step down. Yeah, well, obviously we need Piastri to be in a seat. Being an Aussie, we want to see more Aussies on the grid, but to win F3, to win F2, and then not be able to transfer through. It's just, that's the driver. There's 20 seats. Most of those seats are already tied up before you even get into that market. You're going to have those paid drivers, which are going to be in some of those teams. That's just the way that Formula One works. But I think all the thing it'll all line up that uh, he'll get a seat in 2023. Hopefully they can get him some drives somewhere uh, throughout 2022 in order to, to keep him uh, race ready. For next year, I'm sure he'll do some free practice ones and uh, maybe some uh, other categories that he is allowed to drive because I'm sure he would, for those who don't know, because he did win F2 last year, um, he cannot race in it again, which seems a silly rule. Um, I think that if you're a if you're an F1 
backup driver, so to speak. You should be able to, I think, but obviously they want to see guys move on and, and move onwards and upwards. But uh, that was probably going to be the plan for 2022 was for him to do a second season of F2 and then get him in for 2023. But he had to go and be too good <laughs> and win the thing at, at his first attempt. So Fernando, though, being lost, hopefully they'll, I'm sure there'll be some other teams sniffing around, particularly towards the bottom of the uh, of the ladder. They've seen what he's done in that Alpine, which hasn't been wasn't competitive at times last year, and he was able to really take it by the scruff of the neck. So... And get some decent results out of it. So maybe someone might throw him a lifeline. But uh, as you said, with Esteban Ocon, this is probably about as high as he's going to get. Uh, being a French driver in a French team as well certainly is is what the marketing people like as well. So you you do think that he'll be like a Lando, he'll be like some of those other guys, and he'll be in that team long term to build up that that brand identity and that that French connection going forward. Let's move on to the team that did finish fourth in the Constructors' Championship last year after running so long as they did. And it has to be said, everyone loved watching what McLaren were doing on and off the track. Everyone loved how they were going going about their business. It's a great vibe down at the out of the team. Which made Mirzi their livery this year, I think the one of the biggest disappointments because there was so much potential that could have happened with this and they just didn't take it. I, I love the addition of the light blue. They were never going to be able to run the car that they did at Monaco, which I think a lot of people <laughs> were expecting that those, those golf colors, the light blue with the orange yes. uh, details, whereas we've sort of got the reverse of that. From a marketing point of view, McLaren have been orange and been orange for a long time. And they're probably don't want to go away for that. But at least now that they've added that light blue, hopefully for for seasons going forward, it means we can see more and more of that light blue come to the front. I'm not I'm not hating on it. I said it was one of the first ones that was released. And when it did come out, I said the blue did pop me. And I thought, wow, here we go. But then obviously there's been some of the other cars that have come out since that have, that have been a, a lot more striking. But I hopefully just with the addition of the blue means that yeah, we may not have the best livery this year, but going forward, it just gives more options to the team and we'll see it come into a bit more prominence as we uh, go down the road. My, my thing is with this taste is there's too much black in it. Yeah, I don't know why as well. I'm, I'm happy with the orange. That's fine. The blue is better than last year. I'm, def- I'm happy with the blue. Um, the black just seems unnecessary though. I don't know if it's for styling effect of the rear to give off a certain look or what, but... Yeah, I I think they could have styled it so much better. I am one of the people who definitely wanted the golf livery. I knew it was unrealistic, but I was praying they could get a sponsorship deal done and get some cash and run it. But no, we got this instead. So yeah, it's it's a bit underwhelming. The blue's definitely improved, but the black definitely is is unnecessary. In regards to the design as well here, Tace, the one thing that sort of struck me with the car that they've come out with is how big the car is at the very top. Yeah, yeah. They've gone for, it seems like, quite a streamlined cooling philosophy with the airbox more prominent and quite tight side pods. So you'd assume they have their radiators mounted up around their power unit, but uh, it's a bit of a trend this year. Again, there's variation, which surprises me how much there is, how much variation. But um, yeah, they're one of another of teams that seems to have gone for 
more uh, center line cooling so they have more room to play with the side pods and the airflow given how important the uh, the floor is this year. So interesting, but we'll see how it translates when they hit Bahrain. And then Mizi, when it comes to their, their testing over the course of the three days out at um, Catalonia, the thing that surprised me in particular is how tight they are with Ferrari. Lando Norris, of course, topped the timesheets in, in T1. Daniel Ricciardo finished third in T2, and the pair of them were very close together in, in T3, albeit running a significantly heavier car. The McLaren looks decent this year on track. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, they're going to be top of the midfield. Um, whether that midfield does include Ferrari as well, we might talk about that in a minute. But, yeah, they're going to be up there. They're going to be competing from podiums. I think they'll, I think that they'll be in that same sort of um, position they were last year, fighting for, for third and fourth. But it'll, it'll come to see, I think, really how Daniel Ricciardo... Um, handles this new car, hopefully with all the issues that he had last, with last year's car and coming in and even Lando admitting it took him a couple of years to get used to the, the intricacies that the McLaren has compared to the other cars did back in the old specifications. But as I said, if, if Daniel can get his head around this new car very quickly, they're going to be formidable. You, they're going to be up there com- both competing. And you can't say that for a lot of teams that they've got sort of two A drivers McLaren's certainly a, a team that if Ricardo's on his, on song and we know how good Lando is, they're going to be up there competing together. And I think we all want to see that. We want to see as many teams up the top of the, the totem pole as we can. And McLaren certainly have, have got the base for it. I do like Lando coming out at the beginning uh, of testing after T1 and when he was saying that he didn't want to be in first place because obviously he didn't want to be uh, uh, the talk of the town and... and having all their chances played up. But uh, I think that's it's reflective to show that McLaren, again, it's great to see teams going away from the traditional or going in different directions in this new regulations. They've obviously gone their direction. I'll be interested to see how it play out. But from what we've seen in testing, it, it seems to be working for them. Well, let's face it. We haven't seen a team come out at, at during preseason and just say, yep, our car is going to come out and just dominate <laughs> everything. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen that since the days of the Ferrari F2004. Of course, oh. that car was two seconds faster than anything else when it first went out on track and you just went, oh, no. Yeah, that's the greatest car of all time. Yeah. Let's Speaking of which, let's move on to our next team. It, it is Ferrari and just like 2004, Taste, they have made their intentions clear for this year. This car is amazing. It is so good looking. I was shocked when I saw it. I love the black on it. Uh, the kit uh, gave it away a bit early when they released their merchandise, but it's a striking car to look at. The side pod design with the dip in it, channeling airflow. They've got the vents as well. Uh, side pod entry, nice and slim slits. Yeah, this car is already every single one of my backgrounds. I adore it. Uh, the testing performance has been solid as well. Uh, first day, Charles was on top for a lot of the day, which was encouraging. And we've been up kind of near the top of the sheets each day. So that's encouraging. And also uh, our lap count was the highest of anyone. So it's looking positive for this year, both visually and performance-wise. And, and Mirzi, what stunned me in particular was the the last the number of laps in particular that Ferrari got through without a single issue coming up. 
And both drivers really putting themselves through the paces. Sainz in particular, 92 laps on T3. Yeah, it was a great performance. And, and we told, we were talking before in McLaren about having two A drivers being so beneficial. There's no way you can't say that Leclerc and Sainz are, are not two A drivers. And they're a team that could be together for a long, long time. So right, Ferrari got the makings of it all. I'd love to see them up there competing with uh, Red Bull and Mercedes, really have that top three battle like we've had in the past, not just the top two teams battling off. And then if McLaren can piggyback on that as well, it just means it just means for the fans that it's going to be so more exciting having so many teams competing at the top. But um, Ferrari, yeah, they've, they've taken some good steps forward. They've gotten rid of some of that maroon that they used to have and and not having to have that mission winnow crap on there anymore and um, not being bound by that as well has, has really made this car striking. You don't need any lime green on a livery like this. It's just back to basics. The black really does offset it very nicely. You've got that basic red. It's another one that, that's going back to those sort of uh, early 90s type liveries as well when we, we all love those liveries from back in the day. Um, I think Ferrari just ticking all the boxes. Let's just hope they can compete with the top teams. I'm not going to give a rating on this because I'm going to be clearly giving my uh, allegiances oh, 11 away. 11 out of 10. Taste and you. <laughs> 11 out of 10 for everything. They're going to win and sweep it all. No, no, it, it looks it looks promising. That The lap times has been very encouraging. Um, there's obviously always going to be more to be done with this. The other one that sort of come to mind is how confident Taste that Shell has in terms of coming out publicly and saying that they have managed to offset the loss of power from the change of the formula to an E10. Yeah, they've been very vocal, which is uh, rare. Usually people keep it quite tucked up, but um, all the work that's been done on the power unit through the last year is done hand in hand with Shell. So yeah, they're boasting a lot of advancements, um, which should be interesting to see. I think well, Helmut Marco has come out and accused Ferrari of running light all of testing, and a few reporters have said that they were notably louder engine-wise than most of the other cars in testing. So we'll see whether that's fuel-related or whether they actually did run uh, light or with higher power unit modes, but the performance looks promising. Uh, the, the words coming out of Marinello look promising, and obviously our two drivers are very, very competent. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see if we can bridge the gap up to those top teams and hopefully take McLaren with us and have four teams fighting for a championship. Let's move on to the team that finished second in the Constructors' Championship. But, of course, they broke Mercedes' undefeated streak in the Turbo Hybrid era by taking the Drivers' Championship. It is Red Bull Racing, of course, no longer called Honda engines. They're Red Bull Powertrains. Um, which is basically just a Honda engine with a couple of people and a rebranding going. Just slap a sticker so, on it. She's different. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. Good enough. Let's, yeah, good enough. Let's go. Again. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the big, the first big news that came out with this, um, in terms of the livery design, is the that massive, massive yellow nose on the car. I think it's ugly. I don't know if anyone's with me on that, but. It reminds me of some of their earlier cars, 2006 and such, but I, I don't like this livery. I think it would be nice of Red Bull to change one element 
across year to year would be really cool. Even if it's just a yellow stripe in somewhere or with Oracle on board now, they could put a white bit in there or something different. I think we're all aware of who Red Bull are and what to expect when their livery drops at this point. So I think they could have done more, but hopefully the performance is still there. You'd expect it to be from a front team like Red Bull with their resources and, and history. Um, but yeah, they look strong in testing, but they I think they definitely could have put a bit more effort into you know a launch of a brand new era of regulations. Mirzi, that yellow nose, I'm sorry. It just looks it, it, it doesn't fit, does it? Obviously, it's part of their brand recognition. They're, they've had that yellow in there to some degree, but I don't know if the yellow has been on Viagra or I... I don't know what the, <laughs> I don't know what the uh, what the designers were thinking when they put that in there because now this nose just stands out like a sore thumb. It's almost like Pinocchio's nose. Maybe maybe uh, they've been telling a few lies in some of the uh, uh, in some of the uh, hearings from the, the last race of last maybe, year. Maybe maybe there's a, maybe there's a hidden sponsorship from Pfizer in there. Quite possibly. Oh but I, I know you've got to change your livery up year by year. You need to you need to to freshen it up. But I, I'm I'm with taste. I think it's a step back from last year's car. Um, that they, they, I thought they had a nice little, um, nice little sort of sweet spot they'd found. Um, obviously with the Oracle now joining a, as a title sponsor on the side, they've had to change it up a little bit, which is fine. I, I see it like a good rugby league jersey. It's you don't want to change it too much. You want to keep it as fresh and original, but just change it just slightly so all the fans have to buy a new one because it's just that little bit different, <laughs> and you want to be up to date. I thought the the Oracle sponsorship was probably enough to to really make a a significant change. Maybe a thing or here too, but yeah, that yellow it just it needs to be toned right down, right, right down. <laughs> the other thing that comes to mind is in terms of the regulations. This this um, this car they've gone with the grills on the side pods again. It is a very wide body, but you can never discount taste eighteen that has Adrian Newey as its technical director, especially when there are massive aero changes occurring. Yeah, when you have Adrian Newey, before cars hit the track, people are already paying extra attention to your car. The man's definitely proven himself across, you know, 20, 30 years of motor racing. Um, So we'll see how it goes. They came out with a few different things from teams, mainly around the floor. So whether they're ahead of everyone or just achieving similar results through a different method, we'll see. But yeah, they've been a bit secretive about their car, you know, launching a, a dummy basically with a livery on a show car um, in their launch uh, wasn't thrilling, um, but we'll see what they bring to Bahrain. There's rumors that they'll come with a full slew of upgrades and changes. So we'll see what innovations they have, but we definitely expect Newey to have the team up the front still. And finally, we come to the last team. It is Mercedes. They won the Constructors' Championship last year. Lewis Hamilton finished second to Max Verstappen in the Drivers' Championship. And the first thing that comes to mind on this case is that they have gone back to the Silver Arrow. The black Mercedes is gone. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed. I loved the black Mercedes. I thought it looked really cool. Um, when they adopted it for the second season, I was hopeful that it might stick around, but I guess eventually we had to go back and with a new era starting, this was probably a good time in terms of, you know, brand recognition for the, for the team and everything. 
Um, but they've still made it look pretty good. Uh, not radically different from what we've seen over the past seven years, but uh, a bit more of a popping green, which is interesting, and you know, a, a dramatic design as we expected. You know, they've got crazy floor tunnel entries going on, a wavy rear wing, so they're definitely thinking. They haven't stopped innovating, uh, so we'll see where they end up. But I think we're all pretty confident it'll be at the pointy end of the field. Um, so we'll see how Lewis and, and George get along. And it has to be said, Mizzy, that during most of testing, that Mercedes has been relatively quiet up until day three, where for all intents and purposes, it looks like they did run ultra light, top the timesheets on test on day three. But Lewis Hamilton, a full half a second faster than Sergio Perez, who finished third, had people raising questions about whether that was them just flexing their muscle and going, this is how much raw pace there is actually in this car and not a proper race pace? Yeah, I, I think that um, we know, knew that Mercedes were going to be up there again. They just can't not be. They're just the, – the dominance they've shown, the resources they can throw towards a new car, they, they're going to be there or thereabouts up the top of the timesheets. Do they probably – go a bit extra hog in that test three just to show their muscle. I think there probably was a bit of that knowing, knowing Toto Wolf and, and the rest of the team, they want to show that they're the top dogs. They want to show that they're the team to beat again. And they went and made a statement and that's what they, and they did that in that test three and uh, really showed what that car's capable of. I, 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 again, I'll be looking forward to tuning in and seeing what the, the results out of Bahrain come for. I think we'll see a lot more, probably real-world numbers from the cars as they get um, ready for round one. And we'll, we'll see what that gap really is to the rest of the field. But I've won, I'm, I'm happy that the the Silver Arrows, the the, the traditional, so to speak, uh, livery is back. Yeah, we've got, we, they've kept the black and the, the sweep uh, at the bottom of the car. But uh, the, the top part, going back to that traditional silver of Mercedes, obviously, again, a marketing thing with uh, their brand colours. Um, I, I think it, it does look good. I'm, I'm not a fan of the red at the top. I think they could have done something. Yes, it's sponsorship reasons, but I think they could have done that a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, they, they're the team to beat. I, I know Red Bull won it last year and uh, they're going to be competitive, but Mercedes have been dominant for how long until they actually get pipped up off the top of the post and, and become the, the true second team. They did win the Constructors last year as well. Until someone can knock off that Constructors Championship, they'll always be the benchmark. So there we are, ladies and gentlemen. We're only a couple of weeks away from the start of the Formula 1 season with race number one in Bahrain on the the 18th of March. Overall, I think Ferrari and McLaren do look like they are... They've made big moves, but certainly Red Bull and Mercedes, they're they're not going to be... They're not going to be easy laydowns at this point here. So plenty to go through, plenty to discuss, and plenty to monitor as we are now inside two weeks from the start of the season. With that, the checkered flag has flown on this episode of Splinters, and we look forward to the season starting. My thanks first off to Matt Mears. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And uh, there's going to be a lot of sleepless nights over the next couple of next few weeks. Next few weeks, next couple of months towards the end of the year. Uh, would be nice if they were in a bit more of a friendly time slot. Um, but as I said, yeah, a few uh, 
a few Red Bulls probably need to be consumed on a Monday morning uh, to get through uh, the morning after staying up late to watch the race, but uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. So excited for the new season. It's exciting to see how the teams move forward. Um, but that first race, we'll really see uh, where all the teams stand. And uh, I know I'll be tuned in and I can't wait. Tace, thank you so much for joining us as well. And I'm so excited to see this happening. And of course, the news that the Australian Grand Prix is sold out. Yes, yes. I'm so excited for that. I managed to get one of the last tickets, I think. So it's going to be pretty cool to go and see. But um, yeah, I'm pumped for the start of the season. No, not too uh not upset about staying up late love the late night formula one races so keen to get that done uh and excited to see the performance out of the teams for the season so keen to get going and see where we're at well thank you very much ladies and gentlemen this has been splinters the bench podcast on triple h 100.1 fm streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports, and Business Plaza. On behalf of Matt Mears and Tace Wiggins, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run harder, run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.